Hey, I'm Laura. And I'm B. And you've discovered The Energy to Heal, a podcast brought to you by Embolden Label. In seasons of struggle, it's obvious what's wrong, but somehow fixing what's broken seems impossible. Here you'll learn about Splunkna, a faith-based method for breakthrough that will allow you to get unstuck and move towards freedom. It allows you to connect the dots that led you into hardship in the first place and release and restore what's holding you back. Splunkna brings together the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of an issue. This whole person approach leads to lasting change when compared to traditional methods. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to the Energy to Heal. I'm so excited for today's episode. This is a follow-up to the last episode that we did about um, the science behind Splunkna, why it works, why it helps with the healing process. And today I have on Sarah Thiessen once again. Thank you for coming today, Sarah. Sure, glad to. Sarah is a licensed professional counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's the founder of the Splunkna Institute. This is a, um, a protocol for inner healing and the very topic of this podcast. So thank you so much for honoring us with your presence here. Yes, glad. Thanks for doing the podcast. Blesses me and Splunkna uh, tremendously. Of course. Yes. And Splunkna has blessed us as well. So today we're going to dive into a difficult topic that today's topic is, um, is one that you come against quite often that we, we have the need to explain and we have the need to make sure that people understand. Um, and that topic is why is Splunkna not new age, but to get started, we're going to be defining what is new age. And I was telling Sarah before we started that, prior to about 2020, I had never heard the term new age. So I'm excited to jump into this conversation with her and get to um, get some context out, some detail about what is this new age title that we, we hear so often. Right. So you, it's funny, you call it the, a difficult topic, but I would say it's my favorite topic. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love to talk the theology of, of anything. So um, the reason that we are even discussing new age at all is because it's by far the most typical accusation. So um, usually folks who have trouble with Splunkna are, are believers, devoted, honest believers, who from afar hear kind of a thin slice description of what Splunkna is, and it sounds new age. And so um, that's, that's the contention that I usually have to discuss. So, so new age, um, in order to have a discussion with a believer, with a fellow Christian who's concerned that this is new age, we have to start with definitions because most people who will bring that accusation aren't even super clear what they mean by new age. Mm. And so first we have to back up and define. So what are we even talking about when we use that term? So New Age is not really a religion per se um, in and of itself. It's more like kind of a philosophical point of view. Right. And it's a <clears throat> it permeates a whole lot of different things. Um, and it's very, very alive and well and present in current Western culture uh, as well as Eastern culture where it originated. And so the the basic thumbnail definitions of New Age thinking are first of all, it begins with what's called monism or pantheism, which is this concept that everything that exists in the universe is really all 
One, it may seem like there is separateness and value and hierarchy, but really everything that exists is all one. And so the new age thinker assumes that the more enlightened one becomes, the more you realize and become aware of this oneness and the more the sense of separation sort of falls away. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had a lot of believers over the years bring me this idea of oneness and contend that it's biblical. And what they mean by that is they they reference the, the many scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, actually, that where Jesus talks a lot about unity and Paul does in a lot of the epistles and so forth and wanting there to be unity in the body of Christ, um, even in like at Jesus ascension, when he says he's praying before he ascends and he's saying um, to the father, he's saying, may they, the, your believers, may they be one like you and I are one. Right. Mm-hmm. And so believers will often think, well, this concept of oneness, all is one is either innocuous, innocent, or, or, at the, or even biblical. And so the, the first discussion we have to have about that, about new age being based on oneness, is that in new age thinking, when they say oneness, they're saying a much different thing than biblical unity is talking about. Biblical unity is talking about being in agreement with one another, being on each other's side, having each other's back. It's talking about loyalty. It's talking about belonging. It's talking about um, the 70 times seven kind of forgiveness posture, right? That says, I'm not going to turn against you. We are, we are in agreement. We're on the same team, right? That's the kind of unity that the scripture is talking about. New age, when new age says unity, when they don't say unity, they say oneness. When new age talks about oneness, they're talking about that literally there is no such thing as separateness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no such thing as um, any difference between me and an object, maybe the ring that I'm wearing or me and you, or, or um, there couldn't be anything like a separate God who created things and run th- runs things and is distinct from his creation because that would require fundamental separateness. Now, the reason that this matters, it's so important, is because the Bible, when God gives us his inspired word, and he says, this is the truth about reality, he assumes without apology from beginning to end this ever-present separateness. We know that from the simplest description in scripture of both himself and of his creation, when he says things like, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. When he describes himself in terms, one of the most common terms is holy. He is holy. And the word in the Hebrew actually means separate. Mm. And what what he means by I am holy is that I am fundamentally other than you. I'm not one of you. I'm not the same stuff of you, right? I am fundamentally other. You are my creation. I am the creator. And all that I am is separate from more than, better than, bigger than, eternal in a way you're not, right? He says of himself, I am sovereign, meaning I'm the only one from whom all things flow. I'm the only one who is the source and is dependent on nothing, needs nothing, is added to by nothing, right? He's the only one sovereign. And so, so this separateness is described from the beginning to the end. And so if you, if you were to philosophically as a human being, as a thinker, if you were to begin 
with this very common perception of oneness, this teaching that all the separateness is an illusion. What that does is not only does it take out of play what God gives us as his self-description, it undoes that, right? Because God couldn't be separate from us. Right. It, lead, it leads because of that into these age old, literally, the age old original temptations where we want to say of ourselves that whatever God is, is really just me in whatever different forms or different expressions. And it's oneness that leads you to the false philosophy, false theology that says that all God is, is just the sum of everything. And since I'm part of that big everything, I am in a sense, God. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as we, as believers know, the story of humankind begins when sin enters existence, it enters via that temptation, right. the temptation of we want to be equal with, we want to be um, not underneath his lordship, not the ones who are created and not creator, right? We want to be equal with or the same as God. And that temptation is is literally where we started in the garden. And so new age thinking begins with all is one, which leads to, therefore, in a sense, I am God, which is aligning with the original meaning and the original nugget behind the fall itself, right? Mm-hmm. So new age thinking is based on those tenets, those original underground fundamentals. Now, once you start with that, then it stands to reason that you would see the self, the individual as being sovereign. Because if God is just the sum of everything, and I'm part of that everything, then I am also the source of whatever I might need. And so the last place it leads is to this sense of I, the individual, am self-sufficient entirely. I have within me, and you'll here this is this thinking is laced in our commercials it's in our movies it's everywhere it's in all our it's everywhere it's everywhere Mm -hmm. this idea that you have within you if you just figure out how to tap into it you have within you all you ever needed Mm -hmm. you have all your answers you have all your resources you know you know the solutions to all your problems you um you just need to tap in right there's mm-hmm. even i mean there you you can get mugs on etsy that basically say if you're looking for god look within right mm-hmm. and it's supposed it's supposed to sound like this really deep profound magical statement right when really it's just the original fall dressed up on a mug <laughs> well and i think the challenge with new age and I'm coming from a place of being a non-believer growing up kind of without the frame of the Lord's teaching, but with the Lord's values, which was kind of confusing. And so coming out of a, a really traumatic season of my life, a really hard divorce and challenging co-parenting relationship, I was sort of floating out in the world, looking for something solid to latch onto and didn't initially have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And until until I found the Lord, until I gave him my life and decided that he was going to be my sovereign God, that he was going to be my protector, my Savior, my identity reframer, redeemer, right? You have all these words that, that these gifts that he gives us. I was very susceptible to the teaching that we would, would label new age. And it's, I think one of the challenges is they use, they use words like God, 
right? They mm-hmm. they oh, use yeah. words that make you believe you're believing in something, but it feels like less pressure because new age is is unsystematic. It's it's what I think of as like free spirited and it the teaching is very it's it's a lot of hype. And what I noticed in my journey is that it was just that there wasn't solid, true life-changing change and, um, and future freedom involved in that new age teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely true. And it's interesting you say that because you and I have almost a perfect opposite experience mm-hmm. because I, I always, I used to say I was born on a pew, uh, a church pew. You know, I, I have no memory of ever not believing Right. Uh, in, in Jesus and in a biblical worldview. And so uh, I I had to, it, it wasn't until developing Splunkna and people began to bring me the accusation that this is new age, that I had to go, what exactly? What is new age? Right. Like, what, what do you, and like, I had to go because I was only coming from the assumption of a biblical worldview, even if it in its development, I didn't even, I didn't even know to contend with the the other way of thinking because I had never even considered those ways of thinking right and so yeah um but there so there really there are two reasons why that accusation comes one of them is is because um Splotney utilizes an instrument a mechanism called muscle testing muscle response testing which comes out of applied kinesiology it's kind of a um a tweak um use of applied kinesiology that being a much more established medical field actually and what we use it for but um, muscle response testing is based on this theory that um, any muscle in the body any major muscle that's isolated fairly well we use a deltoid um, if you hold a muscle real strong we use a just literally you hold an arm out forward um, if normally if you hold that muscle strong and you apply pressure it will kind of bounce back but if you if you shift the body's energetic state or electrical state so um, hearkening back a little bit to what we talked about in the last interview, the last um, podcast, that there supposedly, supposedly there is a um, down at the tiny subatomic level in creation, there's all of this motion that's going on. And that motion has a representation in the body as well. Something like metaphorically, it's, it's um, something like a body always shifting fluidly between sort of states of balance and imbalance. So getting slightly out of balance and then restoring um, back to balance again, science would call that homeostasis, always having a natural design by the Lord to self-return back to a balanced state. And and we literally mean balance in all the really super basic senses, like like I get too cold and my body wants to return to more heat, or Mm. I get get hungry and I want to eat, or something hurts and I want to move away from it, right? Like that, those, all those little tiny examples of out of balance and back into balance, right? And so- Theoretically, it, in the body's energy state, um, if you were to shift from one of those balanced states into imbalance or back again, those shifts, they cause a, a little tiny electrical deactivation in an isolated muscle, which sounds like a whole lot of science. But it's almost like if I'm holding that muscle real strong and then my my energy system shifts from congruent to incongruent or balanced out of balance, right? With that shift, it's like it it's like it switches off the electrical impulse in the muscle just for a little, little tiny split second. And so instead of 
uh, resisting and holding when I press on it, it'll give like it doesn't have any strength for just a little split second. Mm -hmm. So because a muscle will react like that, you can use it um, if bathed in a very thorough opening prayer. Uh, It's useful. It's not perfect, but it's useful for a little kind of yes, no response system in the the body, soul, spirit, um, the person system as a whole. And so when you, if you were watching in a room, people doing Splanka, it looks like they're facing each other seated and, and one of them will hold out an arm strong and the other one is giving light pressure on that wrist and seeing if that muscle is staying strong or going weak um, in, in a, uh, the client system responding to the different ideas that they're discussing and they're checking into. And so muscle testing that that instrument, that um, physiological response in the body, has been thoroughly used and grabbed hold of and and claimed by the new age category in our culture. So the the folks who think new age, who are doing all sorts of different um, systematic sets of work treatments, whether those are physical or emotional, they use muscle testing, and they're largely the only ones who have. And so that's that's one of the big reasons why the concerned believers see Splunkna and go, oh no, it's new age. It's because mm-hmm. muscle testing has only been associated with folks who believe in that sort of a worldview. And yet in Splunkna, there is not only is there not a trace of us believing or teaching or thinking like monism and that that we are God and that we are sovereign in and of ourselves. Um, we're very, very passionate in Splunkna about the the clarity that those things are unbiblical and false, and the biblical clarity that says we we absolutely, in every little tiny trace and moment of doing Splunkna, both as a practitioner and hopefully as a client, um, not that we can control that necessarily, but definitely as a practitioner, we are absolutely passionately coming to all of the work with the belief and the understanding and the worldview that says we are created beings of a creator who is the one God of the Bible, who is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who's the one who the only one who is sovereign. And when we're doing Splunkna work, we are very hard leaning in, like behaviorally, palpably leaning in on the fact that he's the only one who knows what we need and and how how we could get from where we are to what we need he's the only one who was who was privy and watching and personally there in all the different moments of our lives that have culminated in who we are today including all of our symptoms that we're looking to relieve and shift right he's mm-hmm. the one that we lean into to say so where when you search through us living god when which is the invitation of sparkna for every session would you come and search through the database, meaning everywhere in my body where I'm holding all the little tiny details of the frequency level of everything I've gone through in all my life. Will you be the one who comes and searches through, you know, um, Psalms and Proverbs. Um, David's often talking in Psalms about how the spirit of the Lord is like a lamp, like the the light that searches and seeks through the little Mm -hmm. hidden places in the soul and in the spirit. He's the lamp unto all those hidden secret places. And so in in very much that kind of spirit, we're asking you, Spirit of the Lord, search through and find for us just the right spot. Like what's what's the original moment behind today's symptom? You were there, you saw it, you know how the logic came together in that moment and what I was feeling and maybe what warfare offered in that moment. But all the ways that this symptom got initially hooked together 
would you take us to that spot in my database and market for us? And so we're following when we come out of that opening prayer, we don't even, the practitioner doesn't even know yet where we're going really in the person's right. lifetime and because we're leaning so hard into where the spirit of the Lord is taking us. And so the muscle test is just a way for the client system as a whole to respond to that question. Where in your database did the spirit of the Lord just mark? Meaning, well, and I think, Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I wanted ahead. to point I wanted to point out while we're on the subject that one, I when you go through opening prayer with a practitioner, it, it, very few people have been prayed over as extensively as what the opening prayer holds. And it is a lot like you are you are kind of like coming into this place of calm and allowing the Lord to really shine. It is like a spotlight. Mm -hmm. And I think most of us who've been clients of Splunkna, and then also those of us who are practitioners of Splunkna would say, there are things in the healing journey that you would not likely connect, you know, the, the root traumas that you would not likely connect to the symptom that is coming up in your life. And I want to take a minute and talk briefly about spiritual boundaries, because I think that a lot of people misunderstand Splunkna as some sort of future telling, um, mm. you know, like people get really wigged out about the new age component, almost as if we have, you know, like a Ouija board or a crystal ball of some kind. And so let's talk a little bit about spiritual boundaries, what that means, um, both for for folks who might want to be a client here in the near future. Um, mm -hmm. and also just people who want to understand Splunkna better. Yeah. So that's, that's, a um, following along with why is new age, the accusation is muscle testing. Um, if you, there, the way that new age has used it has, has been without spiritual boundaries. And so if you were starting with the assumption that, all is one and that you're therefore divine and that you have within you all the resources and all the answers and all the wisdom, then it, it would stand to reason from that point of view that you would use muscle testing to do things like you said, like future telling. Because mm -hmm. if, if you started with the assumption that, well, I know all things, well, that probably includes the future, you know, on mm -hmm. some esoteric level. And so, and all of us, we have a natural temptation. We have a desire to know the future. We have a desire to know the answers to all of our questions or the right. solutions to all of our problems. And so people um, coming from a new age perspective, they are, they do misuse muscle testing to sort of um, support all of that new age thinking and that those false identities so yeah, in Splunkna, we are um, super passionate and try to be as clear as, as I can be every time about the only thing that is lawful and from a biblical worldview, the only thing that is lawful to use a muscle test for is, is my own life experience. Mm -hmm. So when, when we use a muscle test, we are never using it to ask, first of all, we're never using it to ask God a question and then test an answer. Because God, um, God is not like a, a vending machine waiting for me to ask whatever I want and pop out my answer. Right. He, um, he, he requires more honor than that. <laughs> and so we, um, not that we don't ask God things, we do all the time, but we don't muscle test an answer. That, right. that would be really um, Ouija boardish and inappropriate. Um, and so we also don't ever use a muscle test to ask anything about another person or to ask about the future or to make judgment calls things like that, like to, to make decisions. Should mm -hmm. I do this or that? Like th none of those things. The only thing that belongs lawfully 
to use a muscle test for is a person's own life experience, their own emotions, their own perceptions of what happened in their own life, right? That That is already stored at the frequency level in my own body. It's also stored in, you know, the soul has an awareness and the psych would use the frame of the subconscious, right? So though, those, I'm already carrying that like a walking database. That's mine to work with. Right. right. And so that's the only that's the only place that we utilize muscle testing, because those things asking my own heart what I felt on a particular day or in a particular context, that is a lawful use of that kind of response. Whereas, like you said, things like let's let's ask questions about, you know, is is so and so going to be president next year or or is um, should I move to this city or that city? Or does, does, did so-and-so um, tell me the truth when he just told me that, blah, blah, blah. Like any of these things where we're looking for curiosity or answers or to make decisions or we're looking about the future, like anything outside of what did I feel in that moment of my life, right? Anything outside of that, we would call outside of spiritual boundaries for the use of muscle testing. Now, at this point, pe- people who are listening to this podcast who are believers who understand or involve somewhat in the holistic world, particularly holistic medicine, they are going to want to ask right now about supplement testing, because that is a very common use of muscle testing um, by believers as well as unbelievers. And um, uh, we can do another podcast on that. Don't, don't hear me saying that I am calling supplement testing out of boundaries. I think there are some really useful discussions around that. But um, I'm saying for Splunkna's use of muscle testing, we are very adamant about staying only in the realm of what did I feel and store in my body emotion-wise in that moment of trauma. Yeah. And you bring up such a great point in in describing even just this nuance with the supplement testing in that it's not that everything is dangerous. It's I've heard you describe yoga before as like stretching and moving the body is not a bad thing. It's where we are worshiping and idol idolizing certain things. And so it, it comes down to that kind of the rules, right? We, we describe new age as being, you know, universal oneness and, and this open-mindedness and no rules. And I think that for me coming into Splunkna, that's what I, I've recognized that the Lord gives us this narrow path, which means there are rules and there is a guidebook and there are scriptures to point us in the right directions. It isn't a sure you can do anything. And so we are just very cautious to be and stay on that, the, within those spiritual boundaries. Yeah. I, I always say, um, it really comes down to clarity about who God is. The the clearer a person is about who God is, and then reflexively that defines who we are. Mm-hmm. The, the clearer we are about who God is, the more clear we get about who we are as as a species, as human beings. Mm-hmm. And the clearer one is about who God is, the broader and the wider the redemptive horizon, meaning mm-hmm. more and more and more and more in life becomes redeemable meaning you get better and better at being able to get clarity on where is God's design in this thing or this idea or this practice or this, this object, right? Where, where is God's idea, his original design, his expression of his glory, of his sovereignty, 
his purposes in something, where is his, and then where's the distortion that the enemy has placed on something or that human beings placed on something. And, and I'm very, um, I'm probably just as passionate at the end of the day about being a voice uh, and a, an influence for redemptive theology as mm-hmm. I am for healing itself. Um, I would, I would just so, so love to see the body of Christ get better and better and stronger at thinking and living redemptively. Meaning mm-hmm. if, if we were to learn better how to move into every arena of life, into every room, carrying the clarity and the assumption that everything we encounter, everything we encounter has at its middle God's original design. Mm. And there are times, there are times that we encounter things that are pretty much still in their state of God's original design. There are times we encounter things that have been distorted far, so far that they are close to unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. And yet there's no such thing. And I, I know a lot of believers out there are going to, are going to freak out at me saying this, but there is no such thing that does not have at its middle, the original design of the Lord, because mm-hmm. the enemy does not create so right, we, right. all he can do is distort. So if we're unfortunately so famous for being the ones who, once we can sense anything distorted on anything, whether it's a practice or an object or an idea or a structured way of thinking or an organization, whenever we can identify the slightest bit of distortion, we throw the entire thing out call it evil, close our eyes and go la 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 la. Mm-hmm. And and we act as if our as if our highest goal is to stay huddled together really safe from the big bad evil world, um, being defined by what we don't do and by what we don't agree with and by what we right. don't acknowledge, right? And instead of being the ones who are moving in in on the offense into every category of life, saying I am the one who as an ambassador for the kingdom of the Lord and the kingdom is about reigning over all things. The kingdom is about bringing everything back into its original design. Jesus said, I am making all things new and and a, a central part of our responsibility and privilege as ambassadors of the kingdom, as those who represent the living God on the earth, right? Who are, who are bringing the message and the, the power of the kingdom here is we are supposed to be active redeemers. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be people who are going around actively on purpose, taking the, those things that have been distorted and recovering them, restoring them and placing them back again into the original design of the Lord, instead of being the ones who are just really good at calling out the distortions and saying, those are all bad. Right. right. You you asked me before we started this podcast, you said, is there anything you wish someone would ask you? And and thinking about that for a second, I thought, you know what? No one ever asks me. No one ever asks me what's right about new age. Mm-hmm. And and that's the very kind of thing I'm think I'm talking about here. That there the the only lie that ever really gets any traction is the lie that's mostly true with a really, really slippery little cyanide mm-hmm. lace. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And as and as soon as we can tell there's a cyanide lace, we throw it out and we never ask ourselves, wait, what what's true in that that allowed it so much traction? Right. 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 Oh, and like and if, if we could get better at thinking that way, we we change the world in a year. Yeah. So what is 
Right. So what is right? Okay. So what's right about new age? What's right about new age is, is that new age has a focus of, um, you said about possibility and freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, It also has quite a bit of of emphasis on, um, they wouldn't call it partnership, but that's what it is. Emphasis has a lot of uh, emphasis. New age has a lot of (laughs) emphasis on, on um, the impact that the individual naturally has on reality. So new age, you've heard it in like the secret and in, um, in the power of positive thinking and in um, uh, what are the, the law of attraction, right? Mm -hmm. Um, All of that stuff, all of that stuff is emphasizing the, the truth, the fact that God has designed the individual human being so that every little thing that we ever think, every little thing we ever feel, every decision we make, every belief we have, every expectation we hold, everything that we generate out of intention is actually feeding in live to reality. Right. A human being is designed by the Lord to be like a point of influence. We're, we're like um, individual little beacons. So a, a human being on, on a frequency level, on an energetic level, a human being is pulsing out all the time, all that we are. And, and we have been designed by the Lord as little points of influence because he wants us to be collaborators with him, partners with him. We, we are, as human beings, real, actual um, collaborators. We are players in the story, whereas a lot of theology, particularly in the 18th and uh, early 19th century, Calvinism and deism and so forth, would get imbalanced off the edge of, okay, so t- to back up, scripture makes, especially in the New Testament, scripture creates this paradox, this open live tension between the paradoxical reality that God has seen everything ahead. He is outside mm-hmm. of time. He already knows everything that's going to happen. There's all of this discussion in the New Testament about what's called predestination, which is a real Christian-y, religious-sounding word. But the, mm-hmm. I, the idea is everything has already been seen and played out. And the reason for that is not because God controlled everything from the start. It's because he's outside of time. So everything mm-hmm. for him is all at once. Um, and that's why we can't wrap our heads around it. But and and he, essentially, those patterns just keep repeating themselves. Correct? Is that which patterns? The patterns that that are in Scripture that he's that he's teaching about are don't they just that, continue? That might be a different discussion. I'm not okay. quite sure what you mean by patterns, but I'm talking mm-hmm. about the story of time, like the universe. Uh, from the beginning till what whatever it's going to look like, he he tells us that all that we've all been predestined, that everything's been predestined. Mm. He, he tells us in scripture that he has seen the number of all of our days before they happen, right? Mm. And so, and he also tells us in the same New Testament that we have all of these vital, live, important choices that we make, right? And we get that in the Old Testament too. We get, you know, choose this day whom you will serve, right? For as for me and my household, we're serving the Lord. We there's mm-hmm. all of this emphasis on choosing, even the gospel itself. There's this emphasis on it, it has been done for everyone, and yet it's on us to either receive it or not receive it. We we have this really vital, really pivotal um, choice, um, privilege, and responsibility that we've been given. And so it seems it, it not just seems it inside of time. It very much is a paradox because. How can we make legitimate free will choices when everything's been predestined? 
right? Mm-hmm. So scripture, scripture gives us this tension. And, and the reason that it seems in irreconcilable is because we're inside of time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but Doug, what, the reason I got into all that is because, because theology in earlier centuries really got imbalanced on the predestination side. We, Calvinism is a great example, for instance, of how we started thinking we don't really actually make any authentic choices. Because the Lord, because the sovereignty of the Lord, him being in such total control, which he is, um, and the predestination he describes in his scripture, well, that must mean that a human being doesn't ever really authentically choose. We don't actually have free will because it's really all been predestined. Okay. And so new age comes along and, and emphasizes the opposite side of that tension. New age comes along and says, hold on, hold on. The human being actually is co-creating reality. Um, now, because mm-hmm. they aren't because they aren't acknowledging the sovereign God, they're saying we just straight up are creating reality. Um, the the um, uh, the secret, for instance, that, that came out in the early two thousands, the secret gave this whole description, this whole explanation of how you, the individual, you are actually sovereign. You are actually creating every little thing that ever happens in your life because you subconsciously you put your expectation out there into the universe. And the universe obeyed you. So every time you stub a toe or you lose a job or you get married or you win the lottery, you've actually manifested these things by the intention that you were sending out into the universe. And so the secret in that movie, the, the secret is you're actually in total control. So all now that you know the secret, all you got to do is wake up tomorrow and intentionally, consciously manifest put your intention out into the universe and manifest whatever you want any wealth any fame any love any success any health anything you want you can manifest now that you know the secret right and so the lie in that the distortion we were talking about the truth is at the middle and there's distortions like a lace of cyanide right Right. the lie is that you're the sovereign one you're not a player you're actually the player you are in total control but the truth in the middle that's so important and we miss it when we just shove the whole thing out because of the lie, right? The truth in the middle is that you actually have been designed by the Lord to be a co-collaborator, a player. What the decisions you make really do feed in live all the time to the big story we're in. You are not a, a pawn on a chessboard that God moves around um, outside of your will. You really are a meaningful player. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what's true and not just casually true about new age. That's like critically true mm-hmm. about that way of thinking. And, and if the believers could have, if we could see that whole philosophy and, and step right out like a sift, Oh, wow. That I, there's this really valuable truth that, that changes everything that, I mean, the, the, the privilege and the responsibility of being a live active player with God in the story we're all in is profound. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so to, to be able to glean that and to clear off that edge of, yeah, yeah, I'm not the player. I'm not sovereign, but I'm actually really in the deal. Yeah. Right. Like that, that is what redemptive thinking would take away from the new age lie. If we were trained and good at and accustomed to moving through the world in redemptive thinking, redemptive theology. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing today and just giving us more clarity over this, this topic of the new age belief system and what's good and, and maybe not quite right about it, but also shining a light on why Splunkna is in spiritual boundaries 
how people can come and expect to receive the Lord's healing through Splunkna. Um, and just to kind of highlight for the end of the episode, I want to point out that when I came into um, being a Splunkna client, I would naturally, when I had a really big um, aha moment or a really big shift in, in what I was able to heal or do or think or feel, I would thank my practitioner and she would always say, the Lord is amazing. He has so much more for you. And, and so I think I want our audience to really hear me say that your relationship with Jesus and your, um, spiritual center in Christ will grow as you do Splankna. And that is how I know as a client and a practitioner that, that Splankna is not new age because it actually mm. is deepening my relationship with God. Um, true yeah. meaningful relationship, not just, not just the way we might think it needs to be. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's kind of unusually personal in, in that sense. Um, it's sort of the opposite of, of, what people usually think of as religious or religion um, mm. because, because it's very intimate and personal uh, as far as the client really feels like, like God is meeting them privately in their, their own personal details, you know, mm -hmm. uh, moments in their life that nobody else knows about that he attends to and acknowledges. And yeah, it's really it's really, we've heard that um, all through the years, uh, all along that people will say, you know, not only is symptom, whatever the symptom is lifted, but I also feel so much more connected to God and so much more like all of that is, is mine and personal and real. Um, yeah, it's very different than your sort of big, big church, big religion kind of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing your valuable information and insight. I appreciate you. Glad to. Always. Always.